Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank discussions of sex and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy! She stretched up for a kiss and swallowed Maddie's gasp. It turned into a moan halfway through as Sophie pulled her close. Chill's skin met Sophie's blanket-warmed body, sending the most delightful shudder through both of them. Sophie skated her mouth down to suck at one pearl the nipple, then kissed a trail down the tender expanse of Maddie's stomach. Maddie spread her thighs wide as Sophie bent to slide two insistent fingers into the soft curls between her legs. She stretched out low and kissed Maddie there, where she was hottest and sweetest. Oh, Neil. Yes. So hot. It is. So sweet. Yes. But, like, uh, Should I keep I, going? Should I keep I, reading? No, for two reasons. One, I think there's actually genuinely copyright issues if we continue to just do a podcast where we just read other people's books. <laughs> but two... We are doing a podcast. Oh, shit. That's right. That's right. Okay. I guess we should do that then. Yeah. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We sure do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. If you were hoping to just come in here and steal a little knowledge about like how good these books were and scamper a little way. No, we've caught you. We've caught you in our net of of endings. We're telling you the... Uh, God, I was. I felt like that was good. And now it's not. But we caught you. We've <laughs> it caught had you. steam. <laughs> It did. It did. We've caught you up in in our in our web of truth, <laughs> and in that web, uh, we tell you everything. So everything. if you don't want to hear everything, what do they got to do, Neil? Just pause this. Mm-hmm. Just go read the books. Just, Just go read the go books. Go read the books, and then come back, the and we'll talk about it together, the three of us. Yeah, I mean the two of us. Um, and then you'll just talk at us and we will not hear you because it's a podcast and not a walkie talkie. Correct. They don't need Claire. They don't need to know that. I don't know. They might. You never know. They, they can, they can think we can hear them. <gasps> That's true. We can. That might we be can better for our engagement. <laughs> might be better for our metrics. Metrics. Me- metrics. <sighs> so Neil, what did we read? Well, this time around, we read Thieves at Heart by Alina Adams and The Hellion Waltz Feminine Pursuits Book 3 by Olivia Hoyt. 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 It's weight. I just felt like putting an H in there for funsies. And uh, what was the theme? Con artists. (laughs) (laughs) Though I will say right off the bat, one of these... Yes, they're doing a con, but I wouldn't consider them a con artist because it's their only con. But there is a con involved, so it's fine. It's fine. And it was a good book, so it's fine. 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 Before we get started, though, Clea, what has got you hot and bothered? Neil, I have a sad one again. 
Oh, no. Lies! It's a happy one. I think people have been sleeping on Rice Krispie treats. That shit's good. <laughs> <laughs> the little known hidden gem, Rice Krispie treats. <laughs> I mean, I know they're everywhere. I know the stores sell them. I know that's the only... the biggest reason why they even have Rice Krispies as a cereal anymore, otherwise it totally would have gone out of style. It is very boring in the mouth. But let me tell you what, it is so good, it is so delicious. Um, I made Rice Krispie treats this afternoon with brown butter Ooh. and um, toasted coconut. Ooh. And let me tell you what, it's so, and it's so good. And I saw this on TikTok and I want to try it next time I'm around a campfire. Instead of doing s'mores, putting just a little bit of Rice Krispie Square on that and toasting that shit up. Ooh. Honestly. Um, ugh, so good. The Krispies Marshmallow Square recipe, now known as Rice Krispie Treats, appeared on packages in 1940. They were correct. But nobody's, nobody knows about it yet. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is I feel like people make fun of it. Like they're like, oh, Rice Krispies, blah, or, you know, that it's boring or it's whatever. It is marshmallows and Rice Krispies and butter at the least. You can add so many wonderful things to it. You can make it posh. You can make it not posh. It shapes like your fancy desserts. It's good. It's good, man. It's good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You can make them as big or as small as you want. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Like sleeping on it. Okay, nobody's sleeping on it. And I know I get that. <laughs> Claire's hot take. Rice crispy treats, the 80-year-old treat, are delicious. <laughs> I'm hot about it. Fair. Fair, fair, fair. Well, I mean, I could talk, like, so the, the SAG just went on strike, SAG AFTRA, and they so they joined uh, the WGA. So uh, two of the largest unions in Hollywood are on strike right now. And it's just really sad to be on Twitter and watch just all of, like, this is how much I'm actually getting paid everybody go by. You know, like, and it's just like, oh, like, it's just like watching like little tiny bits of my dream as a child just implode in front of me. So that's not happy. Um, but what is funny is a, is when the actors joined the strike, a lot of the writers were tweeting that. They're like, oh, God, I was feeling so good about myself. But now all the hotties have joined the strike line. <laughs> but anyway... So Rice Krispie Treats. I'm glad that you managed to make your happy one sad. <laughs> it's me. Crawl. <laughs> what about you, Neil? Um, so recently, it was my birthday. Uh-huh. Happy um, birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I uh, took myself to Seattle for a long weekend by myself. And had a lovely time. I ate some really great food. I saw some really fun sights. I went to some gay bars, saw some really good drag. There's there's one point I was talking I was talking to a guy in one of the bars and I was like, Oh, it's my birthday tomorrow. And he's like, Oh, that's exciting. And I was like, I'm going to be twenty nine. And he's like, Oh, it's fine, I'm thirty. And I was like, Bitch. I'm 37. And it's like, what? You're lying to me. And it's like, either you're trying to pick me up or you are very drunk. Cause no way, no way someone would believe that I am 29. 
Oh my god. I want to do a quick shout out to my sister. It was her birthday yesterday. Oh. Happy birthday, Molly. Happy birthday, Molly. I don't know, Neil, about you, but she's also having some birthday feels. Mm-hmm. It's a little rough having a birthday. Yeah. Post quarantine, where we all feel all of our lives just disappeared over three and a half years, and we're like, where is things? Who are yeah. we? What have we accomplished? <laughs> Nothing. None of us have accomplished anything. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> like, I Except you made Rice Krispie treats. That's an I, accomplishment. And they were fancy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I didn't do during quarantine? I didn't make bread. <laughs> I also Not didn't once. make bread. I, I, I went straight to cake. Yeah. <laughs> so. I never once made bread. Fuck you, bread people. No, don't. I love bread. I, yeah. I, I, I no, take that back. The, I, I was lucky slash smart. Uh. A friend of mine picked up bread and was like nervous about cakes and I picked up cakes and was nervous about bread. So we did bake trades. <gasps> oh, so smart. Mm-hmm. Then you get the best of both worlds. Anyway, this has been what do we do during quarantine with Mel and Claire? <laughs> what what we're saying is everybody's birthdays right now. You're cool. You did stuff. You made bread. Did you t- <laughs> or cakes. Or, or rice crispy treats. Or something. <laughs> Uh, should we talk about these books? Let's talk about these books. Yeah. The Hellion's Waltz, Feminine Pursuits by Olivia White. It's not a crime to steal a heart. Sophie Rosengrave hates nothing more than a swindler. After her family lost their piano shop to a con man in London, they're trying to start fresh in a new town. Her father is, convi- is convinced... Carisford is an upright and honest place, but Sophie is not so sure. She has grave suspicions about silkweaver Madeline Crow, whose stunning beauty doesn't hide the fact that she's up to something. All Maddie Crow wants is one big score, one grand heist to properly fund the Weaver's Union forever. She has found her mark in Mr. Giles, a greedy draper, and the entire association of weavers and tailors and clothing merchants has agreed to help her. The very last thing she needs is a small but determined piano teacher and composer sticking her nose in other people's business. If Sophie won't uh, be put off, the only thing to do is to seduce her to the cause. Will Sophie's scruples force her to confess the plot before Maddie gets her money? Or will Maddie lose her nerve along with her heart? Neil, mm-hmm. is that what that book was about? Mostly. Yeah. Um, I, I do have to say, and it did not occur to me until reading this, because it really did feel like there was only a small number of people who was backing and helping Maddie, like maybe 10 at most. But the way it says it here, the entire association of weavers and tailors and clothing merchants, I'm like, man, they could have like figured a way to get that guy out. Like, just, just like <laughs> froze him out, just not giving him anything. Like, they're not done any shopping for him like easily could have just like gone like this guy's a jerk nobody do business with him (laughs) yeah also it's like maddie just needs one big score like that's not what it's about yeah it's it's mostly revenge it's revenge it's like she never thinks of it as a score like she's super smart and she does know it's a con and she knows a lot about con games but like this is her only one and she just want the money. 
Mm -hmm. but it's mostly about getting rid of Mr. Giles. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. So, um, Sophie and her family have just moved to Carisford from London where they had been taken in by a swindler and basically had to sell practically everything they owned, their house, their shop, their inventory, lay off all the employees just to cover the debts and have enough money to like start over. But London is expensive. So they moved out to Carisford because it's cheaper to like actually start over. Um, there. So he is a um, piano maker slash instrument repairer. He repairs instruments. Um, her mother is a retired opera singer. And then Sophie uh, knows a bit about repairing things, but she also has her mother's like uh, perfect ear so she can tune instruments. So that's sort of what she does for the family business. And she's dabbled in composing, but after what happened in London with Mr. Oh no, I didn't write down his name. Werner Vlemner? I don't know. His name isn't really important. What's important is he's a jerk face. We can just call him Mr. Jerkface. The the huckster. Um, Ever since then, she's been afraid to play the piano because of like all the terrible things that happened. And there's this like weird guilt association, which we find out later. It like, I wish it had been something more severe than what it actually was. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, (laughs) So she's starting over. And I totally thought like, I didn't need it to be sexual in nature. Absolutely not. But it totally felt like he'd maybe broken her hands. Yeah. Like it would, it sounded like what had happened. And I kept thinking this was what it was like that he was like also a piano teacher for her and he was playing over her hands and then just broke her hands as she was like playing to mm-hmm. teach her a lesson or something. And I was like, that would be right. horrific. Right. She also kept talking about the device. So yeah. I assumed that like, I don't know. Anyway, we'll get into it. Uh, meanwhile, Maddie is uh, a ribbon maker. She makes beautiful ribbons. Um, and we find out over the course of the book, oh my God, her uh, mother um, had a, a lady lover who tried to stand up to the system and then became villainized. And like, I forget, she she did something illegal and then she was deported to Australia. Um, and then and then Maddie's mom was like, I'm going to spend the rest of my life like getting revenge on these people and this Mr. Giles fellow and blah, blah, blah. And then she died. Um, the lover comes back as uh, Mrs. Moni. And then they're like hatching this plot. Uh, but we don't find out. Well, okay, so we find out about this sort of urban legend, this Jenny Hall character, who's sort of like a boogeyman in Carisford of like, oh, don't try and like ruffle feathers, don't try and buck the system, or you'll end up like Jenny Hall. And then we find out that uh, Jenny Hall was Maddie's mom's secret lover, and we're like, ooh, shocking, scandalous. And then we've been introduced to Mrs. Moni as sort of like being the one who's sort of funding this con. And then we find out that Mrs. Moni is Jenny Hall. And it's just, I gasps, gasps abound. Inter- interesting. I did not gasp. 
if only because <laughs> this is good this is gonna sound very i don't know maybe maybe i'm I don't know. Maybe I was just like reading it too much into it or maybe I don't know. But like so I knew she was Jenny Hall right away. Mm-hmm. Um and then and then she was like, "Oh, and my mom, even my mom took a lover at some point." And I was like, "Oh, and it was Jenny Hall. And that's why you're so special. Oh, and so it was Maddie. And that's why you're besties." <laughs> okay, and we was, get it, Claire. No, you know and, everything. No, because I was going to I have a note that uh, later that it all comes out and I was like, "Oh, that would have been nice if it wasn't spoiled earlier." <laughs> Like I had felt it was a detriment in the writing that there was a, that I wished I had like felt those like, Oh, this is cool feelings. Cause I just felt the writing had projected it. Not that I'm a smart, not that I'm smart, but that the writing had written it. <laughs> the writing had written it. Ooh, I'm good at this <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> not that I'm smart. And then you said a very silly sentence. Um, anyway, so then, um, uh, Sophie meets Mr. Giles in his shop, in his clothing shop. She gets icky vibes from him right away. And she's like, I hate this guy. And then Maddie comes in and, and like tries to sell him this very strange silk. Like it's blue with these like threads of random color in it. And everyone's like, this is ugly. And then this very posh lady comes in as like, uh, and then she leaves and then this posh lady comes in as like, where did you get that silk? I'll pay you for all of it. Uh, And Sophie's like, something is up and I hate con artists. So I'm going (laughs) to track down this, this beautiful woman in this gray dress and figure out what's going on. Anyway, I mean, I don't want to like go beat by beat what happens, but basically like, they make plans for the con and then Mr. Giles like does something like he's, he, you know, like he gets greedier than they thought. So they have to readjust or this happens and then they have to readjust and they're like, Oh shit. Now he wants to do this thing. So we have to like pivot and, and, and like improvise kind of stuff. Um, and it was fun. I really enjoyed this book. Um, it was really beautiful. There's some really lovely prose. Uh, I'd like to read a passage because yeah. there's this bit about how Sophie is like quiet and she wears this brown dress all the time. And so she thinks her of herself as a sparrow. And at one point Maddie says, no, you're not a sparrow. You're a nightingale. So then the beginning of chapter 13 is you, my love are a nightingale. Sophie wore those words like a ribbon tied around her heart, bound tight to keep it from bursting with happiness as she walked home the next morning. It's just like, oh. I also really loved all the descriptions of piano playing. Like, yes. When, oh my God. Yes. There's lots of beautiful piano playing. The part where Sophie um, teaches uh, Maddie a song and they play it together. It's heart and soul, except it's not heart and soul because it hadn't been written yet. But the way she described it, like, oh, it's a very simple thing. And then it goes up a third and then it comes down. And then Sophie was doing the harder bass. Line. It was heart and soul. <laughs> that is cute. Yeah, job, it was writer. really precious. But That's I mean, heart and soul writer. was written in like the 30s or something. So it's like, it's not that, but it's a song like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, uh, because... She has, uh, Sophie has so much connection to the piano and the piano means so much to her. There's just some really lovely like descriptions of what it's like to play the piano. Uh, but 
what I really did like was when they had sex for the first time, Maddie's connection to um, to sewing and to to drapery and to and to tailoring, like the way she describes how she can read who a person is based on their clothes, mm-hmm. and that she's sort of doing a little biography of who Sophie is as she's taking off her clothes mm-hmm. was very cool. Like just this that she's you know she she tries to make herself fade into the background with this brown but it's a very it's a very good fabric and it's very well taken care of and it's you know it's very special but then like the garment underneath is torn and tattered and you know and it's it's much older fabric and it's been repaired quickly so you know women did their their repairs on their own undergarments you know and so that's what's happened here but you know she's like this is a woman who doesn't have you know doesn't have the time or doesn't want to do it and she just says something like she keeps all of her scars close to her mm-hmm. and like it was just that was such a lovely phrase and such a mm-hmm. lovely way to say it and i really just enjoyed finding out about these two people this way like i mean it's another like excellent show don't tell moment Mm -hmm. um, that I thought was just perfect. Yeah. Sophie does the same thing with people's hands. Like Mm -hmm. she can tell she watches people's hands and can like find out about them. And then of course the first quarter of the book, Maddie's wearing these gloves. And so Sophie like can't find it because she thinks that she's lying to her, which she is, but like she thinks that she's a con artist. And so she's like, Oh, and I can't see her hands because she's wearing these gloves. So like, I can't tell anything about her. So she's like being hidden. And then when she like takes the gloves off and blah, 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 like it, it was, it was, it was really nice. It was really lovely. There was also this ongoing theme because Sophie has this whole thing about like, she she wants to be she wants to be famous she wants to be a famous concert pianist and composer and she wants attention but she thinks that that is bad of her to want that um so she's like gotten in her own way a lot and in some ways she's used this this um uh uh occurrence with the asshole that like conned the family out of out of their money is an excuse to like stay with her family and like to not pursue those dreams um but then we see with her mother who used to be an opera singer who's now going deaf and then they meet this guy who was like um he used to play violin at court but now his hands are like arthritic and gnarled so he can't play violin anymore and just sort of like these these figures in her life that are just like there will be a time that you can't do this anymore just because of how bodies are and, and how we age. So like now's the time to do it now, not later now, 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 now. And then we see these things and then she like gets that lesson and, and learns it. And it's, and it's really great. Um, and then the things too, about like how Maddie is wanting to take care of, taking care of everyone, like all the other weavers. Um, also, Oh my God, this was so great. Maddie lives with, um, husband and wife John and Emma and their housekeeper Cat but Cat spends very few nights in her own bedroom <laughs> it's like yay so like uh, i love to like when we see a queer book where there are other types of queer folk that inhabit yes. the world so we have this like you know like this this thruple over here and maddie is like happy to sleep with anyone hot regardless of their gender 
Um, There's also a discussion about like, I think Maddie doesn't have any parents or anything that she has to worry about. So she asked Sophie, like, you know, what will your parents think about, like, if I'm hanging around you a lot? And Sophie's like, oh, I mean, they kind of guessed it. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah, She was having this conversation with her dad, who was, like, so fucking sweet. And he basically was like, you know, if you want to have anyone over, anyone anyone over just to hang out with you know it's fine and she's like oh my god dad i'm mortified and it's like no i know but like just just it's fine so then she brings maddie up to dinner one night and her parents are making all kinds of innuendo yeah yeah and it was, <laughs> and it was so much fun i think um also i think maddie is uh oh i could be getting this mixed up because they they it was only talked about briefly i think i think they're both to a degree bisexual they just both lean more towards women because i think both of them had experiences but like maddie was like i mean i don't i like the way a guy looks i like a fine guy uh you know i even like looking at him maybe more but like i've never been drawn to a guy the way i have to women Mm, i think sophie was exclusively into women yeah that yeah but that maddie was right. definitely um more varied in her tastes and i loved there was um something i also appreciated about this book is like you'd read a chapter where something would happen like for instance when she goes to the used clothing shop and she like befriends the the girl who works there um and then they like see maddie and this guy i forget his name mr whatever um across the street and like uh maddie says or um sophie says something and i I don't know anyway she becomes she befriends like the girl who works at the secondhand shop and i'm like okay what was like what's that gonna do for us and then like two chapters later it's like oh that guy that we were talking to earlier he's part of the scheme now and then later the girl's gonna help us and like oh but also that was a point where she saw um uh maddie and then like ended up following her and that was the time that they were in the parlor at the hotel and they ended up making out and stuff and so there were like instances of like scenes where i'm like is this necessary and then by two chapters later it like was was pretty necessary i'm like okay that's good that's a well-constructed but i will say like you know i mean i enjoyed the book like there was it was really pretty there was lots of stuff going on um i didn't feel like the conflict between the two main characters maddie and sophie like you know sophie had been the victim of a pretty awful um con and then maddie is like running a con I really didn't feel like it was a very strong central conflict in this case. And that mm-hmm. only because it was something that Sophie got over real quick. Like she was not bothered by it later. Yeah. And, and I was also kind of upset because Maddie wasn't a true con artist. Like it was just so good girl vibes. Like I'm only doing this bad thing. Cause he's the worst. And it wasn't, I, I, I mean, I know we you picked these books and I was expecting like con artists, con artists. And so mm-hmm. that might have been why I was a little disappointed. But I don't know. There's just something about it that was like, but why does it have to be for a good reason? Like, like, I think the conflict would have been better if she was genuinely doing it for like a kind of bad, selfish reason and then changed. Like was mm. like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Or like maybe there's a good reason to do this. Like I was doing yeah. it selfishly, but now maybe there's a good reason to do it. I think too, um 
Maybe because a lot of it felt motivated by and directed by Mrs. Moni. Yeah. That like if 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 Mrs. Moni had been a smaller part and more of it had been coming from Maddie, that it would yeah. have felt a little more satisfying. I mean, the other um, thing is the like the dad character was cute. The Mr. Giles character was, you know, he was fine. He was a merchant. Like I really didn't feel like he was bad. He was just well, kind of doing his job like in a, any in a bad good, way. But... Like any good queer book, the enemy is capitalism. Yes, and that is correct. Um <laughs> I don't know though. For the most part, like I really didn't feel any feelings for other characters. Like I wasn't excited when anybody else came on scene. I wasn't like sad when I didn't see them anymore. I was like Oh, that shop girl's interested in that other guy, and and like you said, like like why is this important? And I was like, oh, because they're getting together now. And there's part of me's like, oh, okay. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> like <laughs> honestly, the only other characters I did care about was, you know, Maddie's like crew, live-in crew that she's just like, and they're just a thruple and they have a great time. And I was like, yeah, tell me more about them. <laughs> oh, we're not going to know more about them. They're just going to, they are literally just the breakfast. <laughs> this is going to sound awful and I'm so sorry. This is, they're just the breakfast queers who are happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> and like, God, we all need them. That's great. But I just imagine them all, they were literally sitting at the breakfast table, cuddled all three together around their coffees going, you guys <laughs> I don't it's not a trope. I haven't really seen that in other books or movies or anything, but I mean that's what it felt like. No, that but that definitely the breakfast queers. Yeah, it's totally a thing. <laughs> anyway, so I mean and like so I wish that there was other characters we could like and then when we get down to Sophie's thing, like the fact that this guy was able to con them out of their entire bit. Well, and that's the other thing. Like he didn't actually successfully con them out of their business. Like his con failed. <laughs> yes. His con failed, but they still had incurred enough debt. Yeah. They lost everything, which sucks. I kind of wished his con had succeeded. Mm. And so like there was, but that's not a big deal. So like, she's left embarrassed and feeling awful. Like it was really just, there was this machine that she was sort of uh, attached to that was doing the piano that was like supposed to teach her piano movements. <laughs> it sounded like, you know, when people have like, like they do the Jackson five and it's them and four puppets that are connected at the joints by like, metal poles so that they all move together yeah. it was like that but you put your fingers in it to play the piano exactly exactly so like everyone would have all their fingers in and then one person would play and it would make the other people's fingers follow the movements yeah which and so that's kind of what it was supposed to do and but then like she couldn't like like and they thought this was like a dumb way for this to have come out like she was playing a popular song and then she couldn't cross her hands because this machine didn't allow you to do cross to cross your hands over each other. 
but that was that's the only way to play this particular part of the song and she couldn't do it and everybody in the audience laughed and called him out for being a fraud right and then also there was like a little girl who couldn't play a scale because that involves crossing your thumb under and then sophie's like i didn't even think about what we were teaching them and she was just like absolutely mortified that she was so quote selfish that she didn't think this little girl hadn't learned scales and like I needed it to be something a little worse than that, so Yeah, like when it came at like it, like it got to the, the part in the book that it, it always gets to when it's like, I have a secret and it's so embarrassing and I can't tell anybody and I was like, it got to that part where she's gonna tell it and I was like, I am looking forward to hearing this and it she told it and I was like, Is there more? <laughs> <laughs> and then And I almost felt like Maddie said the same thing, like, Oh, just that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, I've been poor my whole life, so that's, that's it. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I wish too that there. Ha- one, I wish that 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 had been like something more. I don't want to say more traumatic, but like something more profound and weighty than just like a little girl didn't know scales. Yeah. Um. Also, I wish we had seen a scene because because at the top of the book, Sophie's like afraid to play the piano because she's like reliving the trauma. Um, and then at some point she starts playing the piano and it's fine. Um, I wish we had seen a scene like she's in the workshop by herself and she like tries to get herself to play and she just can't do it. So like so getting to actually playing again was like a little bit more of a struggle. Yeah, it really wasn't. Like she was pretty much able to she sat down and then when she got to one note she went ah. <laughs> Like how? <laughs> and then she did it anyway. Like so Yeah, like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. Um I really wish that machine had broken her fingers. <laughs> girl. I know. But that would have been horrific. <laughs> but then she never could have played for the no, rest she, of this book because no, it was could. only like, a year ago. Well, I mean, you know, like healed and then like she's like learning to play again. And, you know, like I think that would have been great. Like there's no way I can ever touch a piano. Like my fingers move fine. But like I think that would have been really interesting. But that's just me. <laughs> break, oh, all break her fingers. Fingers. <laughs> oh, I break her fingers. Anyway, so um, this whole plot that they're doing is, and I think it was a really clever idea. I just wish that the last uh, scene had had played out a little bit better. Um, but basically, they've convinced Mr. Giles that who who he doesn't produce clothing; he sells it. But he also has like basically finagled it so that like he's the only he's the only game in town kind of thing so he has a monopoly on the trade um they have convinced him that mr money or mrs money's fictional husband late husband had invented a dye by which if you if you sent an electric current through fabric that had been dyed with that dye you could make it change colors and then something that I did really appreciate because he's like, oh, you can like sell the same dress over and over again because you can charge to have the color change. And then they were like, oh, also like the color tends to fade a little bit. So every so often you have to like put the same electric current through it again to to re- like sort of revive the color. And his first thought is just like, oh, well, I can charge someone like seven times for the same dress. And I'm like, yay, evil capitalist. Let's murder him. (laughs) Um, So then they come up with these fun steps where like, I I thought the, um, 
they like did a demonstration where they created two identical dresses that were different colors and one of them was rigged to sort of like tear apart so that when Maddie stepped out of the device she was in a different color dress and then there's a whole bit where they set up um, these lights on the looms so that like it looked like that the threads were all these different colors but then the they were actually white it was like white white material and then there were all these lights on it that made the the threads look different colors and then the garment would come out white and they're like oh no you have to like do the process to like activate the first color or whatever so like these were all smart steps i enjoyed it i enjoyed the con um and i enjoyed that they underestimated how fucking greedy this guy was gonna be um but then they were like okay well we need to we need to like not only steal all his money, but completely discredit him and sort of run him out of town. So it needs to be a very public thing. And then at the same time, um, Sophie's family is like, you should have a concert. You should let people see you perform. Because one, she had started teaching piano lessons. So it's like, oh, a good way to, to do that is to um, do a concert off. to show how yeah. good you are. Yeah. And then also she'd made friends with this violinist who was like, I still have connections in court so like i can i can put in a good word for you i think you're amazing blah 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 so then i i enjoy that those things coincided so that sophie's like oh well if i if we do this big concert because it can be her and her siblings and the little girl she's teaching and there's like a musician's club it's like oh if we all do this concert and it's sort of like a benefit for the weaver's library whatever whatever like then we have this big public event so like that all coincided coincided really well um and then, like, the, the, the big plan was that, like, at the concert, Mrs. Moni and Mr. Giles would do the swap where he would give her money and she would give him her, her quote, late husband's notes about how to produce the dye. But, like, she actually gave him, like, IOUs <laughs> so that when Sophie's dad saw it, he's like, this isn't a gambling den. And... Yeah, so then, and then it turned out that he, so then he runs after Mrs. Moni, and they had, like, planted various women in almost identical dresses all over town to sort of distract them so that Mrs. Moni could, like, stage an escape where it looked like she got away in a boat, but didn't actually. They already know how to make quick change clothes, so she could have just done a quick change. I know. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Also, like... They're like, oh, it turned out that Mr. Giles had like mortgaged his shop to like get the money for the payments. And it's like, there's no way they didn't they didn't know he was gonna do that. There's no, no way that they could have like accounted for that and And then I think one of the things and this kinda of, it just weirded me out so much because he he's mortgaged it to the hilt, so he has to get rid of his shop warehouse place. And that's a perfect place for dad's new piano company to set up shop. And I'm like, uh that's like how you lost your shop <laughs> through a con and then you were mortgaged to the hilt so you had to get out of town. You just oh, I don't know. <laughs> right, but they didn't take over his shop, the Weavers did. They basically turned it into like no, a co op. I know, but there was just this like feeling about it. I was yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I really liked all the con. I thought the con itself was really great. Uh, I keep wanting to say the con of cons. I thought it was like really great for mm-hmm. con. Um, <laughs> but I, the ending was just, it just was so lackluster. It was just yeah. such a lackluster way for it to all have gone down. 
it's just not my favorite ending because so much of this book was so smart that it was mm-hmm. upsetting when it hit a not smart note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but other than that, I enjoyed it. It was a quick read. It was really fun. I enjoyed them. The sex scenes were fantastic. Sex scenes were top-notch. Top-notch sex scenes. Um, there were all the sort of sundry characters that, like... There were a little too many names for us to keep track of, but like it was fun to see that like when they were figuring out the con, like, oh, one of the Weaver girls was a magician's assistant for a while, so she was able to sort of like figure out like, oh, if we do this this way, it'll help distract them. And, and one of them had, um, forget what her background was, but she had sort of like, she, she was good with like tinkering and inventions and stuff, so she was able to like rig stuff up in it. It, it was nice to see everybody sort of like collaborating and everybody was able to contribute something to the to the con um and then the the moral of the story is it's okay to steal from greedy capitalists yep that's which nope. i'm fine with yeah, yeah i'm down I'm good. <laughs> that good to me. oh good um yeah is anything else to add claire i got nothing else okay that was uh the hellion waltz oh i just sorry i do have to say um the title, where the title comes from, because of course Sophie, who's been afraid to like compose, is inspired and create and, and composes this beautiful waltz that's like about the story of how she and Ma- Maddie met and fell in love and all of that, and she calls it the Hellion Waltz. And and like I knew that was coming, but then it did. I was like, ah! So <laughs> it was fun. Anyway, that was the Hellion Waltz, Feminine Pursuits, Book Three by Olivia Waite. Thieves at Heart by Alina Adams. One precious diamond, two crafty thieves. On yet another dark and stormy night in Regency England, a damsel in distress arrives on the Reigns' family doorstep and pitifully begs her way into that household as a temporary personal secretary. But what Lark Talbot truly intends to do is abscond with her mistress's priceless diamond ring. Alas, Lark isn't the only one with her eyes on the prize. Damien Moxley, Philippa Reigns' socially dubious suitor, has been positioning himself for months to pull off the same heist, and he isn't about to let some amateur mudlark run off with his rightful treasure. Claire. Yes, Neil. That's what the book says this is about. Yeah. Is that what this book is about? I mean, yeah, that was short and sweet, so yeah, that's mostly what it was about. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I would have to say, like, what this book does best, and I think it's important that I say all this stuff first, is there's some really neat historical stuff. Like, um, a lot of the things about, like, how, like, kids would grow up at this time in London if they weren't associated with, like, parents, (laughs) like, (laughs) orphans about just, like, how you had to just survive, like, Mm -hmm. and... I really enjoyed that. There was a whole lot about like, what was it like for, you know, it was, the streets are dirty. The Thames was dirty and there was children who was living in it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, you're a chimney sweep. Like this or the whole thing where it's like, Oh, you're a chimney sweep. It means you probably have a child who works with you and you shove them down a maybe still burning chimney so that they can clean it out. <laughs> 
And, you know, that's horrifying. Or like there's a little girl who spends from dawn until dusk just standing in the very, very cold Thames just looking for bones and other detritus that she can turn into the bone and rag man (laughs) so that she can get food later. (laughs) But I mean, that's all backstory to this. And that's all true stuff. And that's all really interesting. And... That was stuff that I, you know, in a lot of the words that they were using, just um, just some of the things that they called each other was particularly great, like basket scrambler, Bow Street Runners, like just like the world was really interesting. Um, anyway, these two are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would have to say that Lark is dumb. <laughs> <sighs> and it was very frustrating to read her dumbness <laughs> the whole time. So, okay, I'll, I'll get to the plot now so that you can understand where we're coming from. So, we enter in onto the the Rain's house. The lady of the house has been gifted by her husband an absolutely massive fucking diamond ring. It's so big that when at one point the heroine is wearing it and she moves it so the stone is to the inside of her hand, she cannot clench her fist. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Everybody is right now doing it just to see how big that means. And it's, it's, it's comically big. It's absurdly huge. And it is, and it's very funny to think about. But so this is attracted to this household, two con artists, one of which is Lark. And she's the first one we see. And she is the person who we are pretty much, we're in her head. We're also like, it's her from her perspective the whole time. This author once in a while accidentally dances into other characters' perspectives. <laughs> entirely on accident (laughs) every once in a while we see it from the story from someone else's perspective but then we bounce back out to lark's it is very hilarious but anyway so lark comes into the house she is claiming that she's a uh she's a secretary she you know she does the writing for uh for high you know for highfalutin ladies and their correspondences and she was supposed to go to this one fancy lady's house but that lady's not in town and she's kind of freaking out she can't go back she doesn't have any money and because she came in during a party that was specifically thrown to show off this big ass diamond ring the lady of the house feels really bad and so lady reigns is like well you can work for me until you figure your shit out and so then she joins the other person who is a con artist is, of course, Damien Moxley, and he's also at the party, and he clocks Lark right away. And that is probably one of my favorite scenes, is actually when she's like, and I'm just a social secretary who's been caught in the rain! And, <laughs> and, and Damien's like, wow, how interesting that this happened of all nights tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and he like locks eyes with her and she looks at him and she's like what the fuck do you know about it like it's just like and she's like and they're hot for each other immediately but because you're only in her head you just see like what is that hottie over there staring at me for just cute i mean obviously not in that language because that's claire rice language um <laughs> 
And from there, she proceeds to just ingrain herself into the household. The daughter of the house, who is engaged to Damien, is not exactly happy about this whole situation. Or not engaged. They're not engaged yet. They're just dating. But is not exactly happy about this. She thinks something's up. Um, And Lark knows that Damien kind of is gonna like rat her out and she wants to find out more information but because because she wakes up that night and he's sitting on the edge of her bed and he's like get the fuck out of london it's my territory yeah first of all that's ballsy to say you have all of london uh but two like you know like she sees she's like oh my god did i leave the window open while it was storming and then she looks and he's just like sitting there patiently and it's just like and basically he's like you know like I've, I've, this is my mark. I've been working, blah, blah, blah. I've been working this, blah, blah, blah. Stay out. And she, and you know, like I, these are, these, these are fun scenes. And then she's like, oh, really? Well, I'm just going to scream and then you'll be found in my bedchamber. Won't that be awkward for you? So then instead of it being like where he covers her mouth and his face is next to her face and they're breathing on each other and it's hot and kind of sexy, he starts to strangle yeah. her. He puts he his starts hand over his to mouth choke and then starts and then he out. like puts his body on top of hers and nearly kills her. It is not sexy. <sighs> I was like, man, it could have been. It could have been. It could have. It could have been. Sexy. And all like, and this was this was like I don't know, ten percent into the book, and I'm like, I'm out. I don't want them together. I don't. I don't want them to end up together. He's he's violent. That's and the whole book. The whole book. He threatens her with violence. He threatens Philippa with violence, and basically, and he, and he is actually violent to Philippa, who is the daughter. At one, who is the daughter, the Rain's daughter. Like because at one point she like goes to like slap Lark for a good reason, um, yeah. <laughs> and and he reaches out to stop her, but then he just squeezes her arm, and yeah. he just keeps squeezing it, and like Lark is like. Lark has to step in. Mm-hmm. Lark has to step in and stop this man from hurting a woman who was going to slap her. Yes. So he exerts, uh, he uses violence to uh, exert control over women. And then there's this part in that same scene where he's choking her. And then it like, and then she's like, and then he, he makes a comment and she's like, he was, th- she was thrown by his quick move, his quick movement into humor. I was like, when? When was that humorous? And then it kept talking about like, oh, and she was so thrown because he just like was so easy to jump between anger and humor. I'm like, what he said wasn't actually funny. But then whenever the narrative draws attention to how funny he is, it's when he's uh, being cruel about women that he knows. Yeah. He, he His quote, funny moments are only ever like talking about talking shit about Philippa, which fair. She's not a good person, but like it's, only ever about him being cruel to women but it's yeah. so funny it's so funny no it was and and like right up until that point like again i agree when he started to choke her i was like this is going to be a fun romantic comedy like she's going to scream and now she has the upper hand and he has to get out real quick and then he's going to do something and cause him to have the upper hand and she's got to figure it out um okay <sighs> So that didn't happen, obviously. No. So the upper hands that switcheroo all the time. 
Uh, he does get her thrown in prison at one point, mm-hmm. uh, but she gets back out. It's like nothing happened when she gets back out after, by the way. I know. Uh, there's so many times where she's accused of stealing the ring and sometimes when she did and sometimes when she didn't. Um, and, uh, but she's also a dumb dumb because at one point she's like, I need to find out more information about Damien and who he really is. So she tries to get that out of her employer while they're doing their little social secretary things. And I thought this is fine. This is cute. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm digging this, but it comes to a roadblock and she can't find out more information. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you're ingraining yourself in here. So it's going to take a couple of days. She's like, I have to know now. So she figures out a way to go to Damien's like, Damien owns like a huge glassworks factory. <laughs> He's that and a con artist. So he goes right, and there's a point where she's like, "Why are you doing this? You're rich." And he's like, "But I want more." It's like, okay, okay, dude, whatever. That's fine. Capitalism, kill them all. Kill them so all. Then, Eat the rich. So she goes, and she's just like, I guess I just have to ask him. So here's the thing. She wants to find out more information about her enemy. And her instinct is, I'm just going to go ask him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, one, that is uninteresting storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> Two, that is dumb. That is dumb. Yum. Like, when did, did Batman ever go like, gosh, I need to know about more about the Joker. I should just go ask him. <laughs> So like Joker, where what's with the face, man? And like, where are you coming from? What's your motive in all of this? Like, tell me your plan. <laughs> no, no. Batman's like, go away. And the Joker's like, I'm going to tell you very explicitly my motives <laughs> and why I wear this face. And like, not say that I'm in love with you, but definitely think it real loud. Oh man, those two. Um. So it was just so that was a dumb thing she did, and then. And then later in the book, Damien 100% is like, okay, let's just work together because that's going to be easier. And I was like, yes, that's going to be better. Figure that out. And here's where the romance should end up, by the way. And she's like, "Mm, I'm going to double cross him. And I'm like, "Mm, why? (laughs) And then she does. And I, I thought this is interesting, actually. Uh, the way she double crosses him is because she does find out information by just talking to him because that was a very boring way to tell a story. Um, she invites some of his old cons to the party that their reins mm-hmm. are throwing. And I'm like, that is great. What mm-hmm. a great way to do this. And it turns out one of his old cons that he mentioned was actually his father. And so and that he's was like a bastard son. And that this is an interesting turn. This is all great. Um, but then, (laughs) and then like, there's the romance coming in. It's fine. Except we hate Damien. So, you know, it's like, he's, you know, an an unthrilling love interest to say the least. Um, but she still has to like get hers. She's still going to twist it around. (sighs) They finally get to where they're doing the ring switcheroo and Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. Like, so the end up plan, the plan is what his plan always was, was to create a big glass fake ring, (laughs) which is like the most obvious thing ever. And just like, uh, you know, switch (laughs) them. 
and like our girl's like oh that is a good idea and i was like man i thought that's what you were gonna do from the beginning because the very first thing she does when she gets in the house and she's alone is she makes a shit ton of pictures of the ring so that she can get it in, in her head what it looks like and then she burns the pictures and i was like "Ooh, is she gonna make like a fake so that she can switch them no nah, she just did that for fun <laughs> that was just something she does yep yep so that was uh, again annoying and dumb so then they're gonna do this ring switcheroo uh, and it it like Philippa Ket. Okay, it's too complicated to explain how badly this goes, but it goes so badly. Philippa catches them, and then they're like, like Philip is yelling at them, and then Philip has like discovered all the stuff, and then uh, they then Philip almost beats her, but then stopped by Lark, and then they're like, well, it's all three of us work together. Philip is like, it's like blackmail. I want a cut of this, and they're like, okay, fine. And then it seems like they're cutting Lark out of the whole situation, like during the party. Even though Lark wasn't even supposed to be at the party anymore. She's at the party and it's fine. Nobody's saying anything. And then, um, and then they do the rig switcheroo, sort of. And then they get Philippa in trouble somehow for reasons. And then they don't do the switcheroo. And then Damien asks uh, Lark to marry him in front of everybody. And he says, it's with the fake ring because I'm adorable. And they're like, oh, that is cute. And then they let him go. And he's like, actually, it's the real ring. And I'm like, yeah, we got it. We all knew it was going to be the real ring. But also, what? What just happened? Why? Why was that so overly complicated? Why wasn't it not involved in the con? There was no conning. Nobody was conned. No, there was like, and it just went on and on forever. And it was all very confusing. And if, and I didn't care anymore. I didn't care, <laughs> Neil. I was like, I don't like this cartoon ring and these horrible people. Like, it, like Lark is too dumb to live. Yeah, Damien is too abusive to be a man. And Philippa is just an evil character of of a woman, and the ring is um not real. So I don't know. It was it was real boring at that point. <laughs> yeah, something that really bothered me is that every time Lark tried something to like, you know, get Damien out of the picture, get at the ring, whatever, whatever. Like Damien was always magically one step ahead of her. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it got to the point that's like oh she's trying a new thing well he's gonna stop her I know this isn't gonna work there's like no tension here um, even things that like like she she stole it she actually stole it hid it in the house um, I thought her hiding spot was a good spot because it was, was great she it, hid it, it in the winter in the ladies winter coats yeah so they they're in the it's in the spring and so they and like the the narrative went out of the way to be like oh and where she hid it in her hiding spot and it didn't tell us where it was and i was like this better be fucking good and i was like yeah she just went inside lady reigns's closet and just put it in one of her winter coats pockets because nobody because one why would you steal a diamond and keep it in the room where you stole it from and then two, she's not going to be looking at that coat for like six months. So then um, Lark would have time to like for the heat to die down to grab it and then try and sell it. So I'm like, oh, that was good. But Damien somehow already knew that. 
and he like had one of his glassworks boys sneak into the house to steal the ring and then like just to taunt her to taunt lark gave it back so that she walked into her room and it was like on the desk though the scene where she put it on and then philippa walked in and she um basically uh just like turned the ring around and was like i hope she doesn't notice it's like oh philippa is too self-involved with her own thing (laughs) to even notice that i'm wearing a ring that i've never been wearing before and even if it's just a gold band so i appreciated that i appreciated that this is also something that got me on philippa's side to tell you the truth because lark had you know lark had been fucking with philippa since day one because lark is kind of a bitch too so so the day before, like, you know, she wanted to make Philippa jealous because she was going to go see Damien. So she, she just busts into, like, Philippa's room while Philippa's in bed and is like, hey, yo, just so you know, I'm going to your boyfriend's uh, boyfriend's work. Bye. And, like, <laughs> Bye. and Philippa's like, what the fuck? And so then what happens in that scene? There's Lark trying on the ring and then Philippa busts in. She has to quick turn it around. She's like, what? What is it? And Philippa's like... Yeah, it sucks when people just walk in on you, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah! Yes, Philippa! <laughs> anyway, you're wanted downstairs. <laughs> it was just like, good job, Philippa! I didn't like it. Yeah, I'm on your sure. side. <laughs> I did appreciate that Like, it became clear pretty early on that Philippa assumed that Lark was after Damien like trying to like steal Damien away from her Uh and Lark was like yeah I'll just like play up on that to distract from the fact that I'm trying to steal the diamond I thought that was a good idea I did too I did too um but yeah it just it was um there are parts of this book I really enjoyed parts of it were super funny I mean and I I really did feel like this was supposed to be like a romantic comedy but I like Damien is the least comedy of any like hero yeah. read. He was not funny. He didn't have fun stuff going on. Um, I it would have been really great if he was also like. And I know part of Regency romance and part of like most romance tropes is that the guy is rich so he can take care of you. I get that, but like honestly, it would have been way better if he was also like same position she was just some dude just trying to make mm-hmm. it through who's done cons and they were yeah. both attracted to this con because it was just sort of like because there was this whole thing that like the Rainses didn't want him marrying philippa because he wasn't of the gentry he just was rich and there was this like Maybe Philippa was being rebellious. Maybe she actually wanted to marry him. We couldn't really tell. Um, So then, of course, that was a chip on his shoulder about like, oh, well, no matter how rich I am, I'll still never be good enough. Which, sure, I guess. But then, like, don't choke out women. Um, (laughs) But then there are these moments where it was like, because Lark is called Lark. Because she doesn't remember what her name was. Yeah. She was abandoned as a child and she was one of the one of the kids who'd go in the Thames and like fish up bits of bone and copper or whatever. And they were called mudlarks. And like that's the only thing that anyone ever addressed her as as far as she could remember. So she's like, Well, I don't know what my name is, so I'll just go by Lark. And I'm like, that is a very interesting choice. Reveals a lot about your character that's very profound nice i like that but then she has these moments of like oh she could see the the chimney sweep that damien was and like that like she could see that they 
you know, had the same kind of baggage and like she could see the hurt in his eyes because of like when Philippa accidentally made some comment about like blah, blah, blah. And it meant something else because he used to be a chimney sweep and, and all these things, but it was like only ever from Lark's perspective. Like we never actually had a scene where he said, other than saying like, well, I'm rich, but I just want fucking more, which like, okay, you've choked a woman out. You're a greedy capitalist. Like you, you're done. Um, but other than that, we never saw anything from him that was like, yeah. here's here's my tortured past. Like, he didn't talk about his tortured past. No. Lark just inferred it from looking at his sometimes sad eyes. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, my God. A scene if they were like, he was outside her window while it was raining. He was he was like drenched and she's like, get in out of the rain or maybe I'll scream, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I need to tell you why I am the way that I am while the rain is pouring down him. And yeah, that would have been great. I mean, uh, there's like, or when they're like, you know, they have to have, they have to figure out so many ways to like meet up all the time because mm -hmm. now they've decided that they have to work together because mm -hmm. it's the only way that they're, because after trying several times to like one up each other and fail and failing and succeeding, but just getting themselves in trouble, they decide they have to work together, that that's the best thing to do. And then they have to get together to plan the, the, the next part of the con. And because of that, then they learn about each other, you know, like, you know, a romance. <laughs> you know just romance in this romance novel yes you know, something it, uh, like that i see the thing is too like i enjoyed the prose i feel like if this writer had just taken a completely different approach to the romance it would have been a fantastic book yeah and that and it, then we're done yeah i think we're done i think we got it okay that was thieves at heart by alina adams are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Fuck Mary. Kill. Are you ready? Fuck Mary. Kill. Fuck Mary. Kill. Kill. Fuck Mary. 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 Claire, mm -hmm. Feck Mary Kill, Mr. Giles, uh huh, Damien, uh huh, or Philippa. Ooh, dirty capitalists. Dirty capitalists. <laughs> well, I'm gonna marry Philippa because oh, even God. though she's a dirty capitalist, um, you know, she's a lady in Regency England. She's still kind of on the bottom of that. <laughs> <laughs> she's so unpleasant, though. Yeah, you know, but of the three, <laughs> I guess I want to go with that. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about Mr. Giles, which is why I'm going to have sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me at a gay bar. <laughs> I mean, you know, I because I just can't with Damien. I just can't, yeah. and I refuse. So. Fair. Um, and Neil? Um, I think I'm going to marry Mr. Giles, but become part of the con. And then, okay. and then, uh, with 
uh, Maddie. And then when we run him out of town, I will live with her and John and Emma and Kat. Oh, all right. That's, That's my good. plan. It's it's a con. My marriage is a con. My marriage so. is a con. <laughs> yes. Um, my marriage is a con. And then I think I'm going to fuck Damien. Um, yeah. I'm going to fuck Damien, but I'm also like on my way out the door. I'd be like, oh, not bad for a chimney sweep or something. Just to like really rub it in his face. And I'm going to kill Philippa. I found her unpleasant. And then also she was like, I'm going to inherit the diamond, but I'm too impatient. So I'm going to like take less money to have the money instead of the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, I've, just wait. I, well, again, like everybody was dumb in this book. Like yeah. Damien yeah. was dumb. Everybody was dumb. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry, a diamond that big, you can tell the difference between it being a diamond and it being glass. Well, no, because Damien's good at absolutely everything, even choking people out. So it Perfect. looked exactly like the real thing. <sighs> okay, Neil. Yes. This one's going to be easier. Okay, great. Uh, fuck, Mary kill Sophie, mm -hmm. Maddie, mm -hmm. and Lark. So I'm gonna kill Lark. Mm. I didn't. She didn't bother me terribly much, other than she just like had. She was kind of dumb sometimes, but I'm like, whatever. You did go to school. You just like you're figuring it out. But I don't like her as much as the other two, so I'm gonna kill her. Um, I want to fuck Maddie because she's very good at it. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm going to marry Sophie because I also enjoy music and um, her dad would probably give me a piano. Also, her family sounded great. That's a really yeah. great family to marry into. Um, wonderful. And yeah, and then maybe we'll go to court and I, and I will be supportive of her music career. Aww. Yeah. What about you, Claire? Um, yeah, I'm going to kill Lark as well. I think, but I'm going to marry Maddie and fuck Sophie. I like Sophie a lot. I think Sophie's pretty great. Um, mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, like somebody who can, who knows my body and dresses it. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like, is good at knowing what I should be wearing and makes it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds wonderful. I appreciated about Maddie too is that like the con was done and she's like, okay, well, you know, I could keep doing this sort of thing, but cause this is a whole thing about like how, when her mom was killed and like during a war or something like soldiers stole her life and like the system stole her lover's life and her life with her lover and all that stuff. And, and Maddie was like, you know, like all this time I've been like wanting to do this revenge and doing these things, like running this organization for my mom. And I did the thing. And if I keep doing the thing, I feel like that's stealing from my own life. So I'm not going to do my own thing now. I'm like, good for you, girl. Do it. <laughs> do it. Do it. Go to London. Have sex with Sophie all the damn time. Anyway, um, out of all the characters, Claire. Um, out of all the characters, I'm going to kill Damien. Uh-huh. Um, I think Lark would be fine without him. 
like in all ways. Yeah. So she she I'd say she get the diamond, but she bungled that switcheroo. I yeah. knew it too. I knew it too as soon as like because of like the 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 changing the switcheroo scene was only like 60% in. I'm like, "Oh, she's going to fuck it up." Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So I I was I knew she was going to mess it up, which, and then I knew she was also going to mess it up because he had to fix it. Like that yeah. was the, what the writer was setting up that he was going to have to fix it. And I was like, that's fucked up and I hate it. Um, so, but that's Damien's fault. And I'm going to kill him. Great. Um, Love it. so, and then I think I am going to marry Sophie and Maddie mm-hmm. together. That way they can stay together, but then I can be with them both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perfect. And then I am going to fuck. Oh, I've ruined it because now who is there to fuck? Oh, I'm going to fuck Maddie's friends. <laughs> oh, uh, John, Emma, and Kat. Breakfast gays. The breakfast. The breakfast queers. <laughs> breakfast queers. <laughs> it's so funny. Mine is very, very similar. I'm also going to kill Damien. I also was like, I'm going to marry Sophie Maddie because they're like together. They're, they're a unit. And then I'm going to fuck Sophie's dad. <laughs> yeah. Aww. He was so nice. He was so, so nice. supportive. Yes. He seemed like such a lovely human being and I want to fuck him. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and the books, Claire? Well, I think I'm going to fuck the Hellions Waltz. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I had a good time. Um, I think like, you know, there's things that you know, makes me not quite want to marry it, but I'll think I'll fuck it. And I'm going to kill thieves at heart Mm -hmm. for all the reasons stated. Yeah. I I'm so sad because thieves at heart like that, everything up until he started choking her out. I'm like, I am so excited for this book. Just like the way that it was like in that first chapter, because it in the very first chapter, the narrative focused on the diamond and it like almost told some stuff from the diamond's perspective that's like oh well if the diamond could it'd be very you know pleased with itself because of this and this and this i'm like oh this is funny great 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 and then him showing up at her room and i'm like ooh, it's stormy it's dark things might get sexy oh she's screaming so he has to like get real close to her and oh my gosh and blah 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 everything up to there i'm like this is great like the writing was good the premise was amazing and then he choked her out i'm like ah done i'm i'm absolutely done with this um so it's all the, in my mind, it's all the worst because it like crashed for me so quickly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to kill it. And then the Hellions Waltz. I'm going to, I want to date it for a long time. I'm not quite ready to marry it, but I, I liked it more than just fucking. Just even though like everything we said, and I understand Claire, like your, um, your issues with it. But at the same time, it was just like so lovely. I think, I think in part it was a very good palate cleanser to Damien. But I'm just like, Oh, this is pleasant. So, <laughs> um, so yeah. So Claire, yeah. does that mean that it's time for our favorite game? Oh, it is time for our favorite game. Christine. Christine. Yes. All right. Hello, Christine. Okay. Hello. How you doing? I'm great. great. <laughs> okay. Are we okay. Ready? Yes. Always. Never. <laughs> also. <laughs> the first book we'll be reading next time is 
Vanessa Yu's Magical Paris Tea Shop by Rosal uh, by Rosalie Lim and oh my God. Tea Leaves and Tourniquets: a Lesbian Romance by Sienna Waters. It's tea shops, right? It's tea. It's tea. <laughs> tea. Oh! oh my God, Neil! Neil is evaporating right now in front of our eyes. <laughs> it's the first one an actual magical tea shop in Victorian London. I, I, it's Paris, but I oh, don't Paris? think it's, uh, no, it's not Victorian. It's, it's, I think it's modern times. Oh my God. Oh, oh my I'm, God, Neil. <laughs> Neil, so you're excited. so red. <laughs> I, yes. I hope that when we record it, it's very cold here, which July it might be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that I can drink tea. While we talk about tea. Yes. I love tea. <sighs> so, tea. Oh my God. Oh yeah. my God. I'm so excited. Uh, uh, yes. So. There. Tea. Like yes. tea. <laughs> oh my God. Great. Great, great, great. And one of them is in Paris, one which is very is exciting. Enchanté. C'est célébré. <laughs> so you know, like we all laugh, you know, like or that that video that's like ton 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 ton. I'm like ah, ha ha ha, and then I do some of my Duolingo exercises. So I'm like, I just made the same sound mm-hmm. like six times in a row. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Um. Well. Thank you, Claire. Oh, thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you listeners thank you so much listeners we couldn't do this without you but as i say every week uh we if we did do it without you it just wouldn't be as entertaining for us knowing that we're speaking into a void that includes you makes me so happy Mm -hmm. knowing that we're talking directly into your ear holes but we also love you because there's a chance that you might also be Patreons. Mm-hmm. And Neil, how can they sign up for that if they want well, to help support us a little? If you go to patreon.com slash fmklitpod, uh, there's a link in the description. Uh, I recommend using the whole URL. It's hard to find us on Patreon mm-hmm. because we say dirty words. Filthy. But dirty, that's what makes words. us great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you are able to support us, we have extended episodes. We have bonus episodes in there. All kinds of good fun. Um, and if you can't support us on Patreon, totally get it. Totally mm-hmm. get it. Just tell your friends. Tell your lovers. Tell your future murder victims. Well, don't tell them because they oh. won't help our metrics for very long. <laughs> um, but yeah, just rate, review, subscribe, spread the word. It really does help um, get the word out. Tell your rich friends, especially, so they can join our Patreon and then forget and then just keep giving us money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Thank you, authors. Thank you so much, authors. We know that. We read these books and then we tear them apart in a public arena, but we also have bought these books and we actually encourage others to buy these books. That's mm-hmm. the very first thing we do in the podcast. We're like, <laughs> go buy the book. <laughs> yeah. It's, it is very few that we do not encourage someone to buy one of these books. So we hope that people do. So Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, I guess all that's left to say is that if you can do so safely. And consensually. And plotting a con. Where you do a switcheroo. 
<laughs> Wearing beautiful handmade ribbons. <laughs> Keep, Keep fucking. fucking. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>